If you were here last week and heard Pastor Greg, how many did? If you didn't, it is one of those mark-in-the-moment-time messages that we as a church are going to look back on. So please listen to it. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it, listen to it again and again and again. There's a spirit in the age that is challenging the church to shut up. But not about the things that we think it's about. I believe that what it's asking of us, the spirit of the age, is saying, don't you cross certain lines, don't you talk about certain things, and yet it's biblical truth. I listen to a lot of prophetic stuff. I, I love prof- the prophetic word. I, my, my motivational gift is that in a, of an exhorter slash prophet. An exhorter is like, you're doing a great job, but come on, let's do better. That's always been my motivation. It troubles me that in 2019, none of the prophets were saying 2020 was going to really suck. (laughs) No, I am dead serious. Does it bother anybody that nobody was saying why? I mean, there might have been a couple voices, but the main, what we would consider prophetic voices, weren't saying beware 2020. I kept hearing double Triple grace, four times five is grace, grace on grace, God's going to bless, it's going to be awesome, it's going to just... So therefore, what I propose to us as a church, and the church, is possibly God wanted to do something in the church to see how we were going to respond to what he was doing in the world. Because this was not, this was not a, a... Colorado thing or a U.S. thing. This was a worldwide thing, and now they're saying Delta's coming and Beta's coming and Alpha's coming, and, you know, I want Zoe to come. I want the grace of the Almighty God to show up where people don't understand what God is doing, but he's doing something. I love those kind of things. Very few times in Scripture does God say there's going to be a famine. But famine always deals with the church or God's people. Abraham, Joseph, Elijah, the Apostle Paul, the church in Jerusalem. Over and over again, God uses things in the world to deal with the church. And what the enemy has a purpose also in that. The enemy has a purpose in saying, don't you dare go certain ways because if you say certain things, I'm going to come against you in such a way to remove your tax-exempt status. Whoop-de-frickin'-do. I mean that with all of my heart. Because then maybe we will give not because there's a tax write-off. I, I say this. Render unto Caesars what Caesars. If, if the enemy or if the government is giving you a tax write-off, then take it to the glory of God. But if he doesn't, that's not how I give anyway. The challenge is not against our government. The challenge is against the spirit and the principalities and powers and princes of darkness of this present age. That's what our enemy is. And what I see happening throughout the world is the churches turning on one another about non-essentials. 
There's a story, and you can turn to it in John chapter 21. I was going to be in Nehemiah. I may be back there in 15 minutes. John 21 is, a, is one of the passages God, for the last few years, has had me camp out at. That in Luke chapter 7. Peter says, this is after the resurrection. He's seen Jesus alive. He's seen the nail hands. I mean, the nail prints. He's walked, watched him walk through a wall. And yet he still says, I'm going back to fishing. And when he goes back to fishing, he catches nothing. Jesus appears, they catch something. Walks through walls, you catch something. Maybe, maybe you should be doing what Jesus says, right? And he asks him a question. Come have breakfast. Bring some of the fish that I just allowed you to catch. Come and have breakfast. After breakfast, verse 13 or 15, Simon Peter Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus said. Jesus repeated the question, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Third time he asked him the same question. Is God asking you questions right now? Has God been asking you questions that maybe you think you have the answer to and you and I believe that we're giving the right answer? And Jesus comes back with, well, if you love me, awesome, let's, ha- let's hug it out. No, he says, then feed my sheep. Peter was hurt that Jesus asked him the question in the third time, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And again, he replies, feed my sheep. Then he says something that seems so out of character. Not out of character, if you understand the Lord, but out of character in the story. I tell you the truth. When you were young, you were able to do as you liked. This is a word for the church. When we were young, we were able to do what we liked. I watched a little one during worship suck his thumb, pull mom's nose, do stuff that, you know, you babies do. But guess what? When you're old, I don't go up to my wife, suck my thumb, and pull her nose. When you were young, you were able to do what you like. You dressed yourself. You went wherever you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know how he was going to die. Follow me, he says. Then Peter turned and looked to John and said, what about him? And Jesus makes a statement just If I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. So the rumor spread among the community of believers that this disciple would not die. Holy cow. But I saw myself. I misinterpret what God is saying all the time. We have made doctrines out of things that don't need to be doctrines. Can I say it one more time? God doesn't care about wearing masks. It doesn't matter to him. It's not a big deal. It's not the end of the world if you have to socially distance. It's not going to mean that Jesus doesn't love you anymore. 
Not that it doesn't matter. I don't like it as much as the next person, but I want to tell you something. The church has got their focus so messed up. We have turned the wrong way. We have made. That means John's going to live forever. In this Bible alone, there's an empire called the Egyptians. Then there's one called the Assyrians. Then there's one called the Babylonians. Then there's one called the Persians. Then there's one called the Greeks. Then there's one called the Romans. Just contained in the few thousand years that this book represents. Don't you think God can control what is going on in the world today? Look at me. Don't you think God is big enough? He outlived the Roman Empire. He outlived the Egyptian Empire. He outlived the Syrian Empire. He outlived the Third Reich. And he's going to outlive the United States of America. God is on the throne. And he's not threatened by governments, by people, by mandates, by laws, by regulations. He is Interested in the hearts of men and women. And possibly, just possibly, I never heard the church, I never heard the prophet saying, 2020 is going to be a dumpster fire. I never heard it. I didn't feel it. So if God was silent and then it was sprung upon us, does that mean the scripture is not true? Does that mean that God can't use the famine to have Abraham. You realize during a famine, Abraham went to Egypt and got somebody by the name of Hagar, and to this day, that is still disrupting world politics? Do you understand in famine, God always dealt with his people before he dealt with the world, but he also provided a Joseph in the midst of a famine to get his people into Egypt so he could pull them out of Egypt so he could fulfill his scripture? And we say, can God take care of my finances? Does God know about my problem? There's another story in, in the Luke passage. John the Baptist, at the end of his life, is in prison. He is about ready to lose his head. Literally. On a platter. At a party. That John. The one who Jesus said, there's been no greater person up until this point than John. That John. At the end of his life, he says, holy smokes, this is not like I thought it was going to turn out. And he sends his disciples, because he's in prison, and he says, are you the one? Are you the one? Jesus, are you the one? Or should we look for someone else? I know none of us have ever asked that question. Are you the one or should we look for somebody else? Jesus never answers this question. He says this. Tell him this. The lame see, the blind, or the, the lame walk, the blind see, the both do. <laughs> the dead are raised. And then he makes a statement that is so profound that it echoes through my life all the time in my spirit blessed is he who is not offended because of me he bookends the gospels john the forerunner peter not the pope 
Peter, the one that preaches the day of Pentecost, he bookends those two stories with two men that love him with all their hearts, that do incredible things for him, that are both going to be martyred. And he says this to them towards the end of their life. Don't get offended when I do stuff that doesn't go according to your plan. Why do I think I'm any different? Isn't this encouraging? And this is awesome. Peter, there's going to come a time where somebody's going to come and dress you, lead you through the catacombs, take you out. And we were talking about it this week. Tradition has that he was crucified upside down and it lasted for six days. Whether it's true or not, he was martyred. I would rather have the the sword. I'd rather have my head on a platter than all the blood rushed to my head over six days. How much of Christianity that we believe in is North American Christianity? It's our experience, right? I can't help it. I remember when I went to Haiti the first time and I asked myself, why wasn't I born A black child in Haiti. I was just wrecked by the fact, why was I born in the United States? It's not my fault that I'm an American. It's not my fault. But what am I going to do with what God has given me? What am I going to do with what God has given me? I talked to somebody this week that has been in Europe over the last year. They were in meetings where they were ordered by law not to sing. And I said, so you sang, right? No, we learned new expressions of worship. Oh, man, it cut to my heart. Because I am so wrapped up in what I think is right, what I think is this. And you know what? Maybe, just maybe, God is trying to teach us a new expression of something in our life. Could that be a possibility, church? Could that be a possibility? I am saying this. I am more encouraged today to live for him with all my heart than I've ever been in my life. The song we sang wrecks me every time I hear it. I can see you now. I can see the love in your eyes. Raising the broken to life. Why do I understand that better today than I've ever thought of it before? Because the grace is still amazing. And I was once a wretch. And he saved somebody like me. That's the key. We've got to keep our eyes focused on him and off of what we think is so important. I'm not saying, I hope I would have been a Bonhoeffer in Nazi Germany. I hope I would have been. But what is God calling each one of us? If you don't know who Bonhoeffer is, study it. He lost his life too. You know, there's a huge crown for those type of people, by the way. It's called the martyr's crown. And there's a bunch of people in the kingdom that have worn it. And they cast it at the feet of Jesus when they see him face to face. I'm telling you, this planet's not our home. And God is trying to detach us. We have never lived in a society that has had more creature comforts than all of mankind. It's a fact. We don't have to worry about where we're going to get a meal most of the time. We can turn on the electricity and we have it. We don't have to light a torch. We can go to the bathroom and a toilet and not in a hole in the ground. 
That's from somebody that uh, two weeks ago we were at man camp, and guess what? Um, My nine-year-old grandson went to camping trip for the first time, and he thought it was the most incredible thing in the world to catch a fish. Go to the bathroom in a hole in the ground. What is God asking each one of us? Because when we settle that issue, the issue of gender, the issue of politics, the issue of sexuality, all of it's settled. Because we believe this, and we go by what this says, and not by what the world is telling and that, And we will be challenged. We will be challenged. Because if you know anything about Nehemiah, there were historical enemies, Sanballat, Tobiah, the Ammonites, the Amorites, still are to Israel. But historical enemies are going to rise up again, and they are rising up. And the church needs to not only say something, we need to live something, and it'll have the impact that God's asked us to have. Thanks. Thanks.